0: God's grace and his mercy and his peace are all yours from the Father through the Son by the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God's word for his people today from 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is God's Word. Loved ones, To every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. It's Newton's third law in the realm of physics. The way this is is put into practice by example is that a a fish has a certain amount of of force that he pushes with when he uses his fin, and if if there is nothing to react against that force, the the fish just stand still, but the water has force that pushes against that fin, and so the fish accelerates. That's where the forces go. There's an equal and opposite reaction. When it comes to God, he didn't just observe nature like Sir Isaac Newton did. He made nature. And much of what's in nature is Just a reflection of God's character, of who He is and what He's like. And in a sense, with God, there is also always an equal and opposite reaction. This is especially true when it comes to our sin. Our sin pushes back against God, and He has to react. God cannot just do nothing about our sin. He created this world to be perfect and when we push back against him, when we rebel against him by doing the opposite of what he says is good, well, then something has to happen in return. That's what we hear about in God's word today, the reaction of God to sin for us and also the reaction of God to sin in us. This part of the Bible is a section of a long letter by the Apostle Paul. uh, Jesus hand-picked and hand-trained missionary, called an apostle, the last one. And in this part of the Bible, which is part of just a longer letter that he wrote to a church in the city of Corinth, he's addressing a particular problem that they were having, an issue. Two people were taking each other to court That belonged to the same church they were suing each other we aren't told what the issue was just that one person was suing the other and that rather than work their problems out as Christians they were deciding to let a secular court work things out for them and Paul's point to them was that it should never get to this point Paul's point to them was that they are to work things out as Christians. That means people who know and believe that everyone is sinful ought to be ready to admit, I'm sinful. I've done something wrong. Apologize and those who have been wrong ought to be willing and ready to forgive. And those who have been forgiven ought to be ready and willing to bear the fruits of that forgiveness and make right whatever wrong they've done. And they were not doing that and so paul condemned them you see the question is not is it wrong for christians to sue someone else the bible never gives us the answer to that question just tells us that the the governments that we have are a gift of god and their job is to right wrongs in society their job is to administer justice and so if there's some liability that happens then the government is there for us to use to sue. But it is not there for us to use to exact revenge on people, to overreact, to seek something beyond justice. And he kind of leaves it at that. You see, God's concern is not whether or not you follow some rules about whether or not it's right to sue. God's concern for you is your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you admit your sin? Do you trust in Him for forgiveness? That's called repentance. And then do you bear fruit in repentance? A person's faith, your relationship with Jesus Christ, is God's greatest concern because your salvation is riding on it. And it's critical to understand that today as we look at these words that I just read to you. Because a lot, a lot has been written in books and on blogs, in magazines and video clips, and preachers from pulpits, and Christians just having coffee together. In particular, a lot has been said about two words. In Greek, they sound like this malakoi and arsenokopoi, which are translated, anyone practicing homosexuality. I'm sorry, we can't not talk about it. We see people talking about it everywhere. And if we don't, we'll be unprepared to talk about it as Christians. As we go to restaurants, as we work with people, as we go to the beach, as it's on the news, it's something we have to be ready to talk about today. But at the same time, we have to keep in mind that our job is not just to wag and point fingers at people who think differently than us. Our job is to have the greatest concern for people in mind that God has in mind for them, which is their faith. That means a Christian's first purpose in life is not to win arguments for God or to zing people with one-liners or to compel them to follow rules but to do what is going to build up their faith in God. To tell them about Jesus. To encourage them to follow God. To encourage them who believe in Him to produce fruits of faith. She was getting married. Very excited about it. With one exception. Her her father had passed away the year before and all those years imagining her dad walking her down the aisle were just going to come to nothing but she had a very loving grandfather who did what he could to to kind of fill in the gaps that her dad had left by dying to be the, the man in her life who offered her encouragement and support and guidance that she needed and so those two were very very close as well And so she asked him if he would be the one to walk her down the aisle in place of her dad. And he wanted to say with his heart, as his heart started beating, sure, I would love to, I would be honored, but he couldn't. He couldn't. All he could say was, well, give me some time to think about this. She was marrying somebody named Julie. His granddaughter was getting married and he wanted so badly to help out. And, and this man was a man who had seen trouble in his life. He had military service. He had the sudden death of his, his first wife at a very early age. Battles with cancer. But this is what brought him to tears as he talked with a Christian friend. He was so torn. I, I don't want to give anyone the impression that, that something God says is wrong is okay he says at the same time i don't want my family to be to be ripped up and for a day to be ruined if i say no i'm going to hurt her if i say yes i'll be doing what's wrong i'll be endorsing something wrong what would you say to him if you were his christian friend what would you have done if you were him? Hate the sin and love the sinner is not a good enough answer. I'll say it again. Hate the sin and love the sinner is not a good enough answer. It is not God's answer to this kind of dilemma. Remember that God's greatest concern is a person's faith. And hate the sin can be correctly understood. And yes, God hates sin. We're told in the Bible he condemns it. That's what sends us on our way to hell. But hate the sin can be used as a way to do little more than just look sideways and sneer and click your tongue at the roof of your mouth and say, ah, can't believe some people. Let me ask you this. Has anyone ever been shamed into the kingdom of God? No. No one has been shamed into the kingdom of God by you just making them uncomfortable when you point their finger at, when you point your finger at them. How will it help someone's faith if you just stand away with arms folded, uh, expressing your disapproval? What good will that do them? Yes, God wants us to hate sin with him, but expecting people without faith in God to behave as if they have it is not the way to do it. And I know you say, well, it's not just hate the sin, but love the sinner. That's the rest of the statement. But those words love the sinner can, can be understood correctly, but they can also be used in a very misleading way. Love the sinner can be used as an excuse to do nothing. To say nothing. And that is not love. To do or to say nothing when you see that someone is in danger. Again, I ask you, how does saying nothing to a person for the sake of peace in the family help their soul in any way? Does that bring someone into the kingdom of God when you say nothing? It does not. Yes, God loves the sinner, but love means doing something. God has to react. And God did not have an equal and opposite reaction to our sin. God had an overreaction to our sin. His overreaction to our sin was to overwhelm our sin with his Son. To send Jesus into the world, say, how many rules do you want me to follow that you can't? I got them all, perfectly. God's overreaction to our sin was to say, how bad is it going to have to hurt for me to make up for the sin of the whole world? I got it, even if it kills me. God overreacted to our sin when he says, death? I'll go through that. But it's not going to keep me down. I am very much coming back to life. God's reaction to our sin ought to be equal and opposite. It ought to be justice, simply punishing for us forever for it. But he doesn't react to our sin with simply justice. He reacts with grace grace that overpowers our sin, grace that overpowers death, grace that guarantees us eternal life. In the Apostle Paul's world, he says, You used to be like this, sinful people, but you were washed. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, God's reaction to sin is grace. What is our reaction to sin to be? In a word, repent. Realize that the two words that we've been spending so much time talking about are just a small part of a list this morning of other examples of what happens when a person refuses to repent. It is just as sinful, realize, for a person who knows their limit to think that there is nothing wrong with having just one more when you've been past it. Even though you know very well that having just one more may lead you to say and do stupid, sinful things. The test is not, well, Am I, going to get, am I going to be able to get home safely? The test is, will I be pushing myself, allowing myself to say and do things that will dishonor God and hurt other people if I have just a little more? Overdrinking puts you on a list of people who will not enter the kingdom of God without repentance. So does living together before you're married, failing to love God above all else taking things that don't belong to you, being greedy and being verbally abusive. God can't have anyone like that in his kingdom. So he says, repent. Be honest about your sin. Realize that you are on the same list as anyone who is homosexual. No better with sin that is just as disgusting before God and just as forgiven by his blood. And with that in mind, love. To believe this, to believe that you are washed and justified, that your sin is cleared before God, is repentance. To believe this is to be saved. To believe this is to be part of God's kingdom. And as people who are part of God's kingdom, we want to bear fruits of repentance. So what do we do? Well, I can tell you what this man did. He didn't do nothing. He talked to his granddaughter before the wedding. He told her that she put him in a tough spot by asking him to choose between God and her, and that he loved her, but it would really bother him to support her in what she was doing something that he knew that God didn't like. And he wasn't going to stand by and, and watch her support her while well, she did something that could hurt her soul. So he attended the wedding to show that he loved her. But he simply walked his wife, grandma, in and sat with her because he loved Jesus. I wish I could tell you that his, his words and his actions made her change her mind, but it didn't. But he did act in compassion towards this family that he loved and he also made a confession of faith and that is what god wants us to do she still got married in the state where it's legal to do so but he made his point and made a few people in his family and his church and his circle of friends think about it that your most important relationship in this world is your faith with your savior jesus May we always believe this and lead lives of repentance, constant repentance. May we always believe this and live in love towards those around us, working and praying and talking so that souls for whom Jesus died may be in and remain in his kingdom. The reaction of God to our sin is Jesus Christ. May God grant us all hearts that react to our sin with repentance. This is God's word